How are we doing? Somebody said to me this morning, with the amount of people in church, that either people are really passionate for God here or they've got no friends. So I hope you all got an invite last night to some sort of celebrations. Um, but we had a great time here. We had 40 plus people that came and just wanted to pray, seek God's face and see what he would have for us in the new year. Um, it's a really exciting time in our church. Historically, at the, at the beginning of each year, we've had a time of prayer and fasting. And um, we want to continue that. As you came in this morning, you would have received a calendar here of our 21 days of prayer. If, if you haven't received one, if you could just wave your hand and we will get one to you. Anyone that hasn't got one, there's a couple of people that haven't got one. But an amazing time of year um, where we get to pray and really focus on what God would have for us. I shared a little bit last night, but a couple of months ago we were at a, um, an ACC gathering and there was a guy preaching there by the name of Corey Turner and he had a prophetic word over our church and there was quite a bit in it, but part of it was that we were going to see the fulfillment of many prophecies that, are, that, that have been spoken over our church. And he said that the Lord had spoken and said that we will see, we will be one of the churches that will see revival like we've never seen before. And, but at the end of it, he said, but the level of revival and outpouring of God that you will see, there was a number of things, but one of those was the ability to engage in prayer. And so I love this morning that we get to, come, uh, get to stand up and talk about prayer. We're actually going to be preaching on prayer for this whole month of January. And um, we're going to be kicking off our 21 days of prayer on the 9th of, of this month. And if you've got your calendar there, just open it up for, for a moment. The first week is focused prayer and we're going to be meeting in the cafe, in the church here uh, from 7 till 8 each night. And that's going to be an amazing time where I encourage everybody to come. Um, it, it, it's, one, it's the first week there where we get to, to come together. There's some uh, prayer walking that's happening on every Saturday. And the first prayer walk is actually happening here. We're actually going to, exactly like Hayden said, we're going to put a stake in the ground and we're going to claim that this place is going to be a place where the Holy Spirit dwells, where people can come in and, and, be, and be impacted by the love and power of Jesus. Um, and then there's going to be some different prayer walks throughout, the, throughout the, um, our community on each Saturday. We have our pre-service prayer that runs every Sunday that you're all welcome to. That's going to be with an extra focus on those three weeks. Um, the second week you'll see there is, it says, dinner and prayer. And this is something different. How many know that we can get excited about prayer events? But it's something else to take it into our homes and actually become a lifestyle of prayer. And so this year we wanted to focus on not only coming together, which is super important, but also saying, how do we incorporate this lifestyle of prayer into our homes? And so what we're encouraging everybody to do is that there's... there's there's five nights there from the 16th through to the, the uh, 20th. And what we're encouraging everyone to do is invite someone in the church into your home for dinner and specifically prayer. And hopefully you're inviting someone and you get an invite. But if you don't get an invite, just invite someone. 
invite someone. For some of us, this might be a little bit daunting because it's like, oh, wow, the house is dirty. I need to clean the house. Don't worry about that. For some of us, it'll be a bit daunting because it's like, hey, I've never invited someone over into my home. This is, this is a new thing. It's a new, it's a new year. We're going to step out, and we really encourage everyone to invite someone into their home in one of those days this week and have some intentional time of prayer afterwards. You'll also see on the last week, uh, the theme there is family prayer. And once again, it's going to be a time when we encourage our families to get together and pray where kids are learned and taught how to pray. And there'll be some things going on on how to do that, some practical ways. There's also a, a great opportunity throughout that week for, for husband and wife, spouses to get together and pray each night. This is super powerful. If you've never done that, get a head start on this. Literally, it will change your marriage if you pray every night with your spouse. You'll see God do amazing things. Um, and then we're finishing with a prayer walk um, there's also a worship night on the 25th, so that'll be amazing um, to break up that last week, an amazing time here where the worship team once again is going to lead us and we're going to have an amazing time of prayer. Who's excited about that? The best way that you stay connected in what's happening with the prayer initiatives in the church is through this calendar, but also th- download the Hope Point app. Every, every day there'll be a notification that will come out through the app, a push notification. It'll give you details. It'll tell you where to meet for the prayer walk. It'll tell you some, some encouragement on how to pray. It will all be there in, in, the, uh, in the app. So make sure you, if you haven't downloaded the app, make sure you do that. All right, who's ready for the Word of God? Recently, I was listening to a podcast by Banning from Jesus Culture. And in that podcast, he stole a quote from a bloke called Andrew Murray. And I'm stealing it from him who stole it from Andrew. So I don't know what that makes me. Maybe like a secondhand thief. But I want you to read this quote from Andrew Murray, who's an author who who wrote a heap of books on prayer. This is what it says. Prayer is on one hand with which we grasp the invisible. Fasting is the other with which we let go of the visible. Let me say that again. Prayer is the one hand with which we grasp the invisible. Fasting is the other with which we let go of the visible. I love this picture because oftentimes we think about prayer and fasting and, and, and sometimes it can be complicated what it is and what is fasting. But really prayer is this thing where we're reaching out for the supernatural of God. We're reaching out to see the promises fulfilled in our life, our church, our workplace, in our sphere of influence. We're reaching for the invisible. We're reaching for the supernatural. And here this quote says that fasting is where we actually let go of the physical. Maybe it's food, maybe it's social media, maybe it's coffee. All the coffee lovers are on holidays. That, that was a joke. But if you're listening to the podcast, I hope you're convicted about your coffee addictions. I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. But this is the picture. The prayer is reaching out to what God would have for us and fasting is where we let go of what we're holding on to, the physical, the natural. 
I've often had this picture where how many know that God gives us something or we receive something which is good and sometimes we hold on to that? But how many know that sometimes God has more for us? It's not only just about receiving them all, sometimes we actually have to let go of the very thing in our possession to grab the new thing that He has for us. And so I encourage you with that today. Like Hayden said, it's great to get excited the new year. We're coming into a season of, of, of the emphasis on prayer and fasting and it's easy to get excited. Who's excited already? Yeah. We get to literally engage and communicate with God and we should get excited. But how many know that the disappointing thing is oftentimes when the 21 days is finished, sometimes we don't, it doesn't cultivate into a lifestyle of prayer. How many know that when Jesus came out of 40 days of prayer and fasting, he didn't return back to the normal before he went into the wilderness? And oftentimes we get excited about prayer events. We get excited about prayer conferences and these amazing prayer initiatives. But our hope during this time is that we actually create a new normal of a lifestyle of prayer. Jesus actually modeled this perfectly for us. What it looked like to not just have a prayer event, but to have a lifestyle of prayer. In Luke, it says that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. The disciples often observed Jesus withdrawing, whether it was to a mountainside, a desolate place, someplace in isolation, and actually got before the Father and prayed. I don't believe it was for five minutes. I believe there was extended periods in the life of Jesus where there was such a lifestyle of prayer with the Father. There was one occasion where Jesus came down from a mountain. You probably remember the story and the disciples were trying to cast out a demon in this boy. And they couldn't get the breakthrough. They couldn't get it to work. And all of a sudden, Jesus walks into the scene and the father of the boy runs to Jesus in desperation and says, could you free my son of this demon? And Jesus spoke a word and the, the boy was totally healed. The fascinating thing is that the disciples got Jesus aside and privately and asked the question that you and me would all ask him. Why was it possible well, why couldn't we cast a demon out, but you could? And Jesus gives this answer and he says, these type only come out with prayer and fasting. The fascinating thing in this moment, in that event, was that Jesus never prayed nor he ran away and fast for that breakthrough. The lesson he was teaching the disciples and he's teaching us today is this is what happens in a lifestyle of prayer. It's not fasting for an event per se, although that is important. But Jesus was modeling what it looks like to have a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. This so impacted the disciples that when there was one thing that they could ask Jesus to teach them, they said, teach us this one thing, and that was teach us how to pray. It so impacted their life that what they were observing Jesus 
as he went away and spent time with the Father. It so resonated and impacted them so deeply that the one thing they said, Jesus, would you teach us, was teach us how to pray. So our goal through this month is not just to, 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 to have some amazing prayer, not just to have some great prayer initiatives, but to actually create a new normal where we have a lifestyle of prayer. This morning I want to share three things. I've actually got three dot points. I think this is only the second time in the history of my preaching that I'll, I'll give you points. But there's three points this morning to what I see in the life of Jesus and what I feel would help us to take prayer events from just events into a lifestyle of prayer. Who would agree here this morning that we actually want to have sustaining prayer in our lives? We actually want to have a lifestyle of prayer. Not just when there's an amazing events where we come and be committed, but a lifestyle of prayer. Number one is intimacy. Number one is intimacy. Prayer must be birthed out of love for God. It must be birthed out of intimacy with the Father. We see here in the life of Jesus that everything he did was birthed out of intimacy. Everything he spoke, when he spoke about even how he engaged with the Father, when he modeled how to pray, everything was out of this place of love and intimacy with the Father. Where we struggle with sustaining prayer is when we lose that intimacy with the Father. And when we lose the intimacy, then it's like, hey, this is duty, this is hard work. But Jesus models for us what, it, what prayer looks like when we're intimate with the Father. We're not employees. We're sons and daughters of a perfect Father. We see right through Scripture that prayer is constantly connected to a revelation of, of God as a perfect Father. Psalm 27 verse 4, if we can turn there this morning. Psalm 27 verse 4. It says, One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. The whole essence of this scripture is this place of being in the presence of God and being intimate with Him, and coming into that place of, of love and intimacy with the Father, where we actually inquire of the Lord. I don't know about you, but oftentimes I find prayer and intimacy hard to sustain because I've got so much going on. There's so many things going on. And most of them aren't bad things. They're actually really important stuff. We've got things pulling us this way. We've got things pulling us that way. And here we are in the middle trying to do our best to follow Jesus. But oftentimes our attention is drawn. And all of a sudden we find that place and we realize, hang on this intimacy with God is starting to dwindle. This lifestyle of prayer is becoming more of an event rather than a lifestyle. 
How many know that sometimes there is seasons of chaos? Sometimes there is seasons of busyness. And all the parents said, but there is seasons of chaos. There is seasons of busyness. But I want to encourage you in this season, in these seasons, where it's like, hey, how do I maintain my intimacy with God? We know it's possible because Jesus had the most demands on his time. And he stayed intimate with the Father. I would encourage us to take five or ten minutes in the busyness of life and just stop. Sometimes that's hard because we don't feel we have five or ten minutes. But I would encourage you, if you're in a season full of chaos, busyness, you know those days when the phone doesn't stop ringing? Someone leaves you a message and then you return the call and the phone call goes for 20, 30 minutes and by the time you hang up, you've got another four messages on your phone. One of those days. I would like to propose that even in days of busyness that the Lord still wants us to be intimate with Him. And one way we can do that is simply by grabbing five or ten minutes and actually turning our attention towards Him. Maybe it's when you turn up to a meeting five minutes early and you just sit in the car and you just turn your affection to Him as a perfect father. Maybe it's times when you just can lock yourself in a room in the house and away from all the distractions for 10 minutes and just meditate on Him. Think about His goodness, His kindness. Think about His love. Just let the affection flow from our heart towards Him. I would encourage you to take those five minutes because sometimes in the busyness, we're looking for the hour in the morning devotional. And in some seasons that doesn't happen, so we neglect everything else. But I encourage you to take the five, take the 10 minutes to turn your affection back to God. Jesus is constantly asking us, just like he asked Peter, do you love me? This morning, he's asking you, do you love me? Sustaining prayer comes from this question, do you love me? Everything is birthed out of this question, do you love me? Isn't it interesting that myself and Rachel could actually live in a covenant relationship, we could actually live in the, in a marriage without actually loving each other. It is possible. We could do all the right things, we could tick all the right boxes, but how many know it's going to be short-lived if there's not self-sacrificing love? We're going to be doing things that all, we're going to have to sit down and discuss rules all the time because we're going to be seeking our own agendas. And constantly there's going to be this conflict about trying to push ourselves in this form of marriage without actually having the foundation of love. I want to propose this morning that maybe you're here and you're like, when you heard about the prayer and fasting, you're just like, oh, I'm just looking forward to January being over. None of you guys would think that. But maybe that's because you need to fall in love with Jesus again. 
Maybe that's because maybe in the past you've tried to engage in prayer from duty. Whereas he's saying, hey, engage it from relationship. Engage in prayer from this place of intimacy with the Father. The challenge for us in busy seasons is to daily keep our heart connected to his love. John 15 unpacks this this in such a great way, and I encourage you to read this. We're not going to go through it this morning, but literally it's talking about how we remain in the love of the Father. A great way to just turn your affection back to him is put some worship music on. How many come in this morning and we started to worship and within five minutes you're like, yeah, my problems aren't so big. I feel connected again. I feel the love of God. This is how we're meant to live, in the love, connected to the love of God. I encourage you to fall in love with Jesus again because the result is a lifestyle of prayer. Number two, responsibility responsibility. If you can turn to Acts chapter 12, we're going to read a couple of verses here. How many know that to engage in prayer actually takes responsibility? Acts chapter 12 from verse 1, this is what it says. It was about that time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this meant the approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him into prison, handing him over to to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. Verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. In Scripture, there's only two differences between the demise of James and the release of Peter. There may be more differences that went on, but in Scripture, I can only see two differences. One the, it, the scripture doesn't tell us that the church was earnestly praying. And in the second account, with Peter's arrest, the church was earnestly praying. The early church understood that there was a responsibility. Constant prayer was connected to their responsibility for Peter's release. Once we come to Jesus, once we accept that, that, that free gift of salvation, once we, we're a follower of Jesus, we actually carry a burden for our town. We actually carry a burden in the good sense for those who don't yet know Christ. We actually carry a burden for our neighborhood, for our city, for the lost. Prayer is a way that we engage and we actually take ownership of the very thing that the Lord has given us. 
We care that people are going to a crisis eternity, so the first thing we do is we pray. We care that people are, have sickness and disease, so the first thing we do is we pray. We care that there's poverty, there's homelessness, so the first thing we do is we pray. We care that there's injustice, so the first thing we do is we pray. We care that there's dysfunctional marriages and, and families, so the first thing we do is we pray because we're people of responsibility. A couple of months ago, we were our family was challenged, myself and Rachel were challenged about the personal responsibility of prayer. And as we were reviewing the prophetic words over our church and us personally, we felt personally responsible. And so one of the things we initiated was, was one day a week we actually fast and pray. We go without food, the whole family does it. And there's a list of specific things we're believing God for breakthrough for. And I know there's many in this church that do this or do similar things or have sacrificed for 40 plus years and have prayed and seen breakthrough and are still believing for the promises to be fulfilled. But it will cost us something. It will cost us something. Token prayers get token results. That's not a scripture in the Bible. That's my own thoughts. Half-hearted prayers get half-hearted response. But prayers that step out of the ordinary actually get answers that shift the course of history. We see this throughout this whole book that men and women set themselves up and said, hey, exactly like Hayden was talking about, not on our watch. There might be crime, there might be thing, injustice going on and people put these stakes in the ground and it all started with prayer. They said, not on our watch. And they moved from the normal devotional prayers and they moved into places. Sometimes it was, it was uncomfortable, it was inconvenient. And we see right through this book that history has been shaped and changed because ordinary people like you and me said enough is enough. Said we believe that God wants to fulfill his promises over our church, over our world, over our community. Radical prayers cost something. They're outside the normal. So number one, if we want to have sustained prayer in our life, number one is intimacy with God. Number two is we have to take responsibility. And number three is anticipation. We actually need to come to that place in our belief that we strongly believe that it is impossible for us to pray and nothing happen. I would like to declare this morning that it's actually impossible for you to pray and have nothing happen. Gwen prayed about this and declared it in our pre-service prayer. She said, we serve a God who answers prayer. He responds to the prayer of his people. We pray we do our bit and God responds. 
We see this all throughout Scripture. Matthew 21, verse 22. This is what it says. It says, actually in verse 21 we'll start, Jesus replied, truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to this fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. Verse 22, this is the key verse. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Can we say that this morning? If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. I love this because it's how we engage in childlike faith. It's literally that childlike faith that actually has a revelation of the goodness of God and the fact that He answers prayer that doesn't need all the lists of things that haven't happened before they believe. It's that childlike faith. Luke 11 verse 9 says this, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Verse 10, for everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Let me say that again. This is not the words of Ben. This is the words of Jesus. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. This very passage is in the context of prayer. Jesus is addressing, he's doing a teaching on prayer, and this is how he ends this. It says, For everyone who asks receives, for the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. It tells us a few things. It tells us about persistence in prayer. But what it also does is it tells us about the heart of the Father who wants to answer prayer. I believe that as we store up our faith, our anticipation, that when we do our part, He will do His. Unbelief can quickly overwhelm us. If you haven't experienced unbelief, join the prayer team. And I'll explain why. Because not everyone we're praying for is getting healed. And so what happens is we're praying for people and we, we rejoice. I mean, in the last, three weeks ago, I heard someone in our church that has been instantly healed from back, back pain for 30 plus years. This is incredible. Last night, I heard another story of someone who God miraculously touched and totally healed their body. God is doing things. We're seeing, we're seeing healings. We're seeing miracles. But there's still people I pray for that leave the same way they came. And so sometimes we can have unbelief that starts to well up inside us. And maybe when we read these verses that we just read, 
we're not really receiving what the Lord is telling us because in the back of our mind, we're pulling back all these memories. Well, if that was really true, why did that not happen? Why did this happen? Why is that? What about that disappointment? What about that prayer that I prayed? What about all this stuff that I don't understand? Let's not let our experience determine the narrative that we live in our lives. I understand that people have journeyed and dealing with some pretty tough things that they've either prayed for or believe in God for. But we have to let the Word of God dictate and write the narrative of our story. The great thing about the Word of God, when I get back and read the words of Jesus, on every page He's healing the sick. On every page He's delivering people from torment. On every day, he's, he, he's, he's lifting the poor out of the dirt. On every page, he's preaching the gospel. On every page, he's seeing people set free. There was not one person that came to Jesus that didn't get healed. And so we have to constantly let the word of God get inside us. Because when we do that, we start to filter things through his heart. His heart is a father that wants to see answers to prayer. This morning I spoke about three things that I believe will help us take prayer as an event into a lifestyle. Number one is intimacy with God. Long-lasting, sustaining prayer must be birthed out of love, intimacy with God. Number two is responsibility. We've all been put here in this place and we have responsibility to steward what God has given us. And that means to stand in the gap. That means that we stand there, we put the stake in the ground and we contend for the very things we're believing and what God has put in our heart. And number three is when we pray, we have to pray with an anticipation that He is a God who answers prayer. Maybe some of us need to recalibrate our theology. And the best way to do that is get into Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Get those red letters and start reading the words of Jesus so that when we pray, we're anticipating Him to be the God who answers prayer. Would you just close your eyes this morning? I believe that the promises that God has over us as a church and over you as individuals is beyond your ability to even ask or think. But just like that prophetic word that was given over us, the measure of a breakthrough that we're going to see is going to be the measure that we engage in sustaining prayer, a lifestyle of prayer. So Jesus, this morning, 
we thank you that you modeled perfectly what it looked like to live in a relationship with the Father. This morning, I pray for myself, I pray for everybody here, that you would give us grace in this season. to pray and believe like we've never believed before. Lord, that you would give us grace to just fall madly in love with you again. That you would give us courage to stand in the gap for those around us that don't even know the name of Jesus yet. And Lord, I pray that there would be an injection of hope that faith would arise to believe you, that you're the God who does the impossible and you answer prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen.